Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Monop. I, uh, I'm still testing negative people, so it's got to be safe out there because with all of the shopping and meetings and being around tons of people, keeping the mask on is keeping me safe. So I think that's my message. With all that's going on in the world, keep your mask on, keep it safe. Kind of like when they used to tell you, like, wrap it up with a condom. Just keep your mask on. That's it. I think uh, I think that's our best bet here. Um, it's it's good. I, I Work is good. We're still prepping. We're about to shoot. It's that train that's starting to come at you. Like, I'm starting to wake up in the middle of the night with drapery concerns. I'm having dreams about Ryan Murphy, which is super weird, but we're good in it. Like we're friends. So I'm feeling good about that. (laughs) That's super weird. Um, it's all of these anxieties you have in this position. I don't know. I know that other people still feel like first day school jitters, like when you're shooting and stuff like that. So I know I'm not the only one feeling this way, right? Um, so things are good and I would still say number one tip to anyone shipping sucks Uh, you have no idea how many things are delayed and a daily email of oh you thought you were getting this today (laughs) just kidding even Amazon lamps plus I mean Home Depot you're the worst you're the worst Home Depot you got everything Getting appliances is ridiculous in itself, and especially period appliances. Um, and the shipping is just killing us. But that's uh, that's what you got to deal with. So it's going well. I hope your projects are going well and you're dealing with all of this COVID and testing. We're still being tested once a week. I don't know if we'll get tested more once we start shooting. No one has told me that. I think the only people getting tested more is probably makeup, hair, um, maybe props. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm so far in my bubble right now of set dressing. I haven't really talked to anyone else. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I did not finish. So yeah. So what's one up watching? Well, in the last two weeks that I've been off, I didn't finish away. Um, which is that sci-fi Hillary Swank show on Netflix. Um, I get it. She's away. Um, I did watch Enola Holmes on Netflix. A beautiful set, so whimsical. And it stars Eleven from um, Stranger Things. And she's pretty good in it. And it's like Sherlock Holmes' little sister. It's cute and... You know it's just a fun little movie to make you forget about what is going on in this world so that's always nice um thank you netflix for releasing the sixth season of schitt's creek because i had cut the cord and gotten rid of my cable 
uh, I think February-ish, and that was when that last season was on, and so I was missing the last six episodes, so I did that, like last night, <laughs> finished six episodes of, uh, of Schitt's Creek, it's so cute, I, um, I never felt like the sets were super great, but I feel like it was really low budget, but then they did that, uh, apothecary, I can't say it, apothecary, anthropology shop <laughs> and that was so cute so I don't know I don't watch Schitt's Creek for the design of it I must say um, but I do and I do enjoy it and um, I'm glad that they got the acknowledgments that they did um, I think it's more of a lifetime acknowledgments for some of the winners but you know it's it was a good show I'm glad they won um, I started the fourth season of Fargo which is set in the early 1900s in, uh, is it, oh, it's Kansas City, obviously. It's Kansas City, but they shot in Chicago, I believe. So Chicago for Kansas City, beautiful sets. Always, I just love the show. I, It's so rich with period, great design in every season. I, I think season one and two were fantastic. Season three is probably their weakest to me. But still a great show. If you like a little mystery and good writing, um, Fargo's, uh, I, I think Fargo's really good. Here and there I've been rewatching The Office. I'm just trying to get some laughs in at night. I think I just throw it on as um, some, just to zone out. It's not, my housewives really haven't been on. But so, rewatching The Office. And then tonight, to zone out after the babies went to sleep before I started this, um, I found a show that's brand new on Netflix called Song Exploder, How Music Gets Made. There's only four episodes. I only watched the one about the song Losing My Religion by R.E.M. And um, the other episodes include um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, the song, which one? It's Wait For It from Hamilton and then Alicia Keys has an episode and then a rapper who I don't know um does an episode too but I only watch Losing My Religion and I don't know if I've ever expressed this on this podcast but if I could be anything in the world if I could have had any occupation I would have been a, I would want to have been a singer I think it's just the most miraculous thing your tool is on you at all times and you you can invoke emotion uh, with your voice. I just think it's a phenomenal thing. And Losing My Religion to me is a song that if I hear it, I could cry. Like, you know those, you know that like actors can like get in the mood by like listening to a soundtrack. I got about three, I got a, probably four or five songs that if I just listened to, I could cry. Purple Rain, that's always a good one. Round Here from Counting Crows gets me every time. And losing my religion is kind of on the cusp of that where if I really think about it, I could lose it. And I lost it when they single out just Michael Stipe's voice singing the song and all the other instruments are away. It's so beautiful. So if you're a music lover, there's not really any sets in this, but um, just letting you know, really great. I, I'm, I'm tempted tonight to finish the other three episodes when I'm done recording this um 
Because it was good. You know, you hear how they wrote the song and the instruments involved and how they came up with the melodies. And and R.E.M. has been broken up uh, forever. And just seeing, unfortunately, how we're all getting older and Michael Stipe old just is just sad. But I was so glad to, to see that band back together. So that's just a little something for that uh, if you're a music lover. On this episode, I speak with Jeff Rosenberg director, AD, producer, writer. He's wearing a lot of hats here. Uh, I met Jeff on season five of Veep, and as everyone calls him, Rosie. So uh, Rosie is definitely the type of person you meet and you feel comfortable with right away. He's just a super nice guy. He is always in a good mood. I don't know how he does it. He stays positive in all of the darkness. And I, even in the most dire situations, this guy is just like, you know, go team awesome. So, which is annoying sometimes, but I think it's a super strength that I don't, I don't possess in this, in this little world. Um, as a decorator, I rely on 80s to keep me in the loop of schedule changes, especially things that are last minute. And he's always fair in sharing information and that is essential I think to a good AD just keeping everyone in the loop and making sure the wheel keeps turning I spoke to Jeff when he was getting um, funding last year for his new film we broke up which he wrote produced and directed and I really wanted to have him on this podcast because it's so interesting to me to hear how someone can wear all of these hats and have the passion to get a project completed. It's such a Hollywood dream, I would say, to be like, oh, I wrote this film and now I'm directing it and I'm acting in it. Or, you know, it's really hard to take a lot of people seriously when they say that because it's so hard to get something made. But Jeff is doing it. This is like second or third project. I mean, he's like doing it. It's incredible. I, I mean, it's amazing that he's been able to do this and work at the same time. I mean, it's not like he's working on, you know, Hallmark movies anymore. He's doing Veep. He's doing The Good Place. He's, you know, he's working it uh, 12 hours a day, even more, and, and still able to put together a film. I thought it was just amazing, and I really wanted to hear his process and share it with you. It took him years to get it together as he will tell you but in that time he worked on the league he worked on veep the good place he did films like wine country he has an adg award for veep and wins and nominations for writing producing and directing his original thing film oj the musical which is now on amazon prime which i told you two weeks ago to watch it that was your homework he won the Audience Award at the Friars Club Comedy Film Festival for that film that he wrote and produced and directed. We talk about how we both started in uh, Hallmark TV movies, and he moved up um, pr pretty much like week one. So get, get a little jealous on that one. Um, it's really unbelievable, his story of getting in. So he's a gem. And um, I'm glad to have worked with him. And I'm super glad that he was able to do this podcast. So I hope you enjoy. 
that's like my biggest think of all of this because like when I finished Sunnyside at the end of October, like I worked a lot last year yeah. to get myself prepared to be able to direct my movie. Right. And so my movie was DGA, but it's DGA low budget. So that was not enough to cover my health insurance. And obviously I'm just doing whatever I can to get the movie made. Cause, and all along I was going to do a pilot in April. And so that was going to just, I was going to do some AD work and that would just financially make me fine. And then the pandemic hits. And so I have essentially not worked since last October. Isn't that crazy? So now I'm in a, so I'm. But you have. Two work. Oh, I've made a a feature film. I've worked a lot. You worked. But I, (laughs) but in terms of like the DGA, because for directing it's negotiable like when we're like in the process with the dga of setting things up like it's my own production company that is the dga signatory right so the dga can't be like hey you're not paying the director enough i'm right. like, i am the director <laughs> and i need that money to go toward our prop budget right. so <laughs> this director is literally gonna get paid in like dave and buster's gift certificates i Taking don't care points. i just need to make the best movie i can you gotta take points at the end that's all yeah exactly that's yeah that's the whole thing <laughs> gotta gotta get that back end that'll be that'll be the most exciting moment of my life probably i keep thinking about getting residual check for my own movie that is i'm exciting. like that's i was like that's gonna be pretty cool that is when that exciting. eventually happens I have a, a, a oh, actor who lives upstairs and um, he moved and I was getting his mail for him and sending it to him. And it's like t- t- two, three checks a day the guy gets. And he wasn't in a lot. But I mean, I'm like, damn. Yeah. It's they're probably it's, for like 10 cents or something. But <laughs> what, One of the lead actors for my movie, um, this was not how we ended up casting her, but she was in a pilot I did for the pilot for mixology for ABC, I still get, I get a check every three months for that pilot. It's never more than five cents. Oh my God. So (laughs) it's, I get this check that's like, so now I've got in the habit of, I just picture message her my like four (laughs) cent check for mixology. It's not even worth a stamp. It's a sin. Anything under a stamp they shouldn't set or like wait till it gets above or a dollar. I, I one time got a stack of checks for Veep, and I know this is kind of contentious now. Of course, I'm doing it talking to you. So I feel <laughs> bad talking about residuals because other people's they go to their union as opposed to directly to the employee. But I one time got ten checks for Veep that were a total of zero cents. I got ten zero cent checks in this big Manila envelope. Why? What was it? I. They got they got zeroed out when they took the taxes from them. So <laughs> that it was literally about like ten. So sounds like you got so veeped all, on that. <laughs> yeah, I got super veeped. So literally all you get when you get one of those, it just says like advise slip only is what it says on the document. Because obviously so you can't cash it. So sad. Yeah. So you just get zero you get zero cent. Cause like as a second AD you're However, this magical residual structure works. The second AD is like the percentage of the percentage of the percentage that the people above. But at so least you're just you like get the, something. Do you oh, know what I mean? Like it's such me. a great deal, or it's such someone's logic way back when was really yeah. smart. 
to come up with like the residual of it all. Yeah, I mean the fact that like I share a union for negotiations with like Steven Spielberg, like Steven Soderbergh's in charge of our negotiating committee, and like John Favreau's like our third in command. I thought he was going to cure COVID or something for us. What happened with that? <laughs> Sean, well, Sean Penn well, is Sean actively Penn. curing COVID. Yeah, Sean, Sean Penn, Penn was in our DGA Zoom a few weeks ago talking about how he's going to tackle COVID. Dude. So I'm just like sit. I'm oh, sitting in a Zoom him. meeting like this. I'm I'm just like in a Zoom meeting, and the window is Sean Penn. I heard like, it. I heard him on Stern like two months yeah, ago, yeah. and talking about it. And I'm like, is this guy? Is this the Sean Penn like going after fucking COVID? It was. <laughs> it was wild because I think the coolest thing of that moment where you know, like a Team America or something like that that makes fun of Sean Penn. So yeah. after <laughs> after the talk, um, one of the ads came on and he was like, "I just want to tell a story." Um, this was an ad who was Haitian, and he said. That when, you know, when all the disasters were happening in Haiti, Haiti, he got a call from his sister that was like, hey, I don't know if you're connected to Sean Penn at all, <laughs> but I want you to know that Sean Penn is straight up in the streets right now with his sleeves rolled up, like clearing rubble. And like, and like Sean Penn was sort of saying, he's like, I've never, necess- I'm not as much a leader as I am like a soldier. And he's like, I'm a lot of times like... So it seems like he is like full blown He's the guy. in it. Yeah. Like doing doing the work. So I have nothing but respect for that guy after hearing him talk. I do too. I recently watched a movie he was in and I was like, Ugh, you should just stick to Haiti. Just save disasters. Oh it's like, oh, it's too much. Uh, I forget the name of it, but he plays like a, like he goes mental. And he went like full mental, like he went like I am Sam. <laughs> yeah, it's like ugh, well, too much, too much. Yeah, it's the uh, scene, the scene from Tropic Thunder. Yes, yes, yes. Like that's the mistake. Yeah, full. I just rewatched that full something. Full something. That movie's great. I I'm oh. not gonna say what it is. Well, no, but... yeah, full, full. Yeah, I know that, but it was like. <laughs> You never go full Jack or what? It was Jack. Yeah, yeah. It was Jack. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. That's what I was looking for. I, I know the word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was looking for the nice. I was looking for the Tropic Thunder thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I forgot about? I forgot that you and I started on uh, Hallmark. Bullshit. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot Good about Hallmark. that. Um, yeah, that was... How did you start? How did you get into Hallmark? <laughs> How did you break so, into Hallmark movies? <laughs> my my whole like my origin story in this industry is is wackadoodle. So I'm like I moved to LA on January third. I had just made a movie in Ohio, so I was like, oh, I'll go finish my movie. I'll do like post in a, in LA. Most of my friends from college have moved out here, so I move out on like a on July third. I have like a deflated air mattress behind a curtain in a shared apartment in Hollywood <laughs> with my friends. And on July 4th, we go to a beach in Santa Monica. I'm talking to like a friend of a friend there. And he's telling me that he's the second AD on a bird flu miniseries <laughs> with Tiffany Thiessen, Faye Dunaway, French Stewart, Eric Faye Roberts. Dunaway. Yeah. And he, and like, get me on that now. <laughs> It's, 
It sounds so amazing. I'm having a blast just talking to him about all these crazy stories working on these Hallmark movies. And so that day I apply for a job at Ralph's. I'm like, I'm a filmmaker. I'll just get any job. Doesn't matter. And then I send out an email to like my friends, like, Hey, I'm looking if anyone hears of any work. So that like next day, that guy, his name is John Miller. Hi, John Miller. He (laughs) calls me and he's like, we just added a staff PA for that bird flu movie pandemic. If you want to work on it starting tomorrow for 48 days. So I'm like, Fuck you, dude. I I guess I'll do this. So I end up, you know, I get a voicemail that's like, hey, you need to be here at five in the morning. You can start unloading the, I thought they said snake bed. I'm there with five friends listening to this voicemail over and over again as we're like Googling what is a snake bed. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing the next morning. I later, of course, learned it's a steak Steak bed bed. and what it does. I get there. The first AD, basically, within three hours, I guess he didn't like the PA staff. He was like, okay, you're the key set PA now and never leave my side. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, what is going on right now? Welcome to Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah. The prop guy, I don't know if you know George Hobbs. He's been around forever. He's this guy from Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, The first few days, they're like trying to call me on walkie. They're cutting off the name Jeff. He's like, you're not answering your walkie. I'm going to start calling you Rosie. (laughs) So next thing I know, my name is Rosie. I'm working at the Hallmark Channel. And within like a few movies, because at the time- Let me just get this straight. Within like a week of moving here- you had a job, you got promoted, and you got a nickname? Wait, it gets even it gets even more <laughs> ridiculous. Any any AD listening is gonna wanna punch me in the face <laughs> as I keep going. So at the time, Larry Levinson Productions has like seven crews. Yeah. So they're just like churning out these movies for Hallmark and Lifetime. And what they're also doing is they're like regularly grandfathering their PAs into the DGA. So it's either like people get do like 600 days as PAs to get become ADs. Why were they doing that? Area. Because they needed ADs because they were doing so many shows. Oh. So instead of bringing in other people, because they're low budget, low enough budget, yeah. they can either have third area people, but they can also just like signatory their PAs into the GA. I see. So next thing I know, I have no plans to be an assistant director. I'm grandfathered into the DGA. So now I'm like in the DGA as an AD. And I'm like, I the at the time, the first AD was this guy, Vern Davidson, who's awesome, who's now the UPM on like Goldbergs and other shows. I'm telling him, I'm like, I don't really want to be an AD. And he's like, who cares? Just yeah, sign yeah, the paperwork. Exactly. Get in the Get in the director's guild, figure it out later. Exactly. So now I just spend like two years doing like Lifetime and Hallmark movies just constantly. I do either a 48-day or 24-day shoot. Then I take like two weeks off. Yeah. Then I'm back in prep on the next movie. It's it was just a like machine. Nonstop. I mean, they they yeah. had like, you were saying like seven teams or like how many teams. And these teams would just do like, do a movie, take a couple weeks off, do another movie, take a couple weeks off. And it was just this like, and his company owned uh, a post house. 
They owned a prop yep. house. They owned, so it was. They owned a, they owned a stage. Yeah. They owned oh, yeah, that stage was bullshit. They owned everything. They owned everything. So it was Peter Pan, that stage was a warehouse in Simi Valley, and yep. the train would go by, and you'd have to stop. <laughs> stop. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, Cooner. Yeah, Cooner. Off the Cooner exit. Get off the of Cooner. I was there a lot <laughs> at, like, by, like, 5.30 a.m. I'd be the only one. Yeah. It was really just money changing money. It was washing. You were it just was, constantly washing money. It was bonkers. And so yeah. then, but then what ends up happening is, like, you, you need 400 signatory days as an AD to then just be able to work on any shows. Until then, you're like a signatory of Larry Levinson Productions. That's all you can work on. The producers I was working for go and form their own company and make a low-budget IA deal where suddenly our entire crew basically... Can get in. They change... They cha- no, they cha- the, other, the union... The other departments, because... Larry Levinson didn't have a deal with IA. They were like right. famously picketed for this. Right, right. When that was all happening, the crew I worked formed with another company, made a deal with IA. I was DGA. So now I'm a signatory of that company, but we all lose our health insurance. They change the locks at the Cooner stages. I'm suddenly like, wait, now what do I do? Because this whole like revolving door of nonstop shows has you're, stopped. You're out. <laughs> You yeah. got locked out. Yeah. So now I'm like, okay, I didn't want to be an AD, but now I'm sort of on this path. Maybe I reapply to Ralph's. I don't know if they still have my application in the system. I don't your know. Ralph's happened. club card is your uh, yeah. form of identification. I have a yeah. So now I'm in a situation where I'm like, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. But then they they do a couple projects. One of them was with Jordan Steinberg, which is where I met Jordan. Oh, nice. I did a, I did a William dresser. and Kate. Yeah. A miniseries. Yeah. I did a miniseries with Jordan where I met him, which we laugh about sometimes. But then what ends up happening is this company ends up being the pilot for the league on FX. Nice. So, so I end up now, I'm like, they call me and they're like, okay, we're actually doing the show for FX that you're able to do as a signatory that's created by like the team from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. And stars like, Mark Duplass, Nick Kroll, Paul Shear, all these people. But that was kind of before they were that name. Yes. So nobody else, other people didn't know who they were. Right. I'm like, uh, I'm an indie filmmaker. So I'm like, I'm very aware of the puffy chair. I'm very aware of Human Giant and Nick Kroll. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to work with, you know, Jeff Schaefer, one of the main creators from Kirby Enthusiasm. The first AD is Dale Stern, who was also a producer on Borat and Bruno. I'm just like, what is happening now? And then Big time. next thing I know, that show that show goes to series. So now I'm allowed to work on that show. They replace most of the crew, but they keep me on it from the pilot. So now like like a PA like Mike T was our key set PA who you know from like Veep and stuff. Right. Mike had more set days than Mike had more set days than me and was our set PA and I was the key second AD on this cable television show. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I still just want to be a again, I just want to direct movies. But did but you, I guess but I'll just someone, ride this as well. At some point didn't someone say to you like you could take this path? 
Like, here's, you could get, in the, you're in a DGA, like, obviously you're on the right path, but. Yeah. I mean, someone, uh, maybe Dale, maybe someone, <laughs> <laughs> maybe someone, you know, gave you like, hey, no, this is, this is how it is. I mean, I, at some point, picking up clues here and there, you know, you figure it out, too. Yes, yeah, I think the ability to be on set. Yes. And as it continued, and the ability to, like, just generally by by the people I've been lucky enough to be surrounded with, you know, this has afforded me the ability to watch how Mike Schur runs a show, to watch right. how David Mandel runs a show, to be able to work with people who are, you know, mentors and heroes of mine and being able to, like, through osmosis, get that. Yeah. That's been fantastic. That's the and, education. You know what? Yeah, that's been my, you know, that's been my Malcolm Gladwell, like, thousand, thousand, thousand hours. hours. <laughs> it's just been with, yeah. It's been like, you know, I'm with, I'm in a pass van with Mark Duplass uh, on season two of The League, and I'm telling him how I'm, like, supposed to have money to make this movie that I'm still hoping to make that I haven't made yet. And Mark's just, like, looks me in the eye and is like, just make something. He's like, it doesn't matter. Just make something. And so that summer, like the day we wrapped season it's two, kind of, of the a league, dick thing to I say. I thought it. you said he was going to turn to you and say, "Like, hey man, I got ten grand. I help you out. <laughs> <laughs> just um, make something. No. Anyone can." I mean, that's just that's no, a his... light kick in the balls he gave you. It wasn't like <laughs> no, no. I support what he said. You can okay. watch his like. All right, I would have laughed in his he face had... and said, "Hey, get, get, give me some money." No. No, he, well, he did. I will say he did donate to my Kickstarter. Okay. So he did. Okay, there so you go. It was. It was like he had a he had a South by Southwest um, keynote speech. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure what year it was. You could look it up. His whole thing was basically the. It was like the cavalry is not coming. That was his big thing. Oh. If you sit around waiting for someone to fund or finance your projects or produce it, it will never happen you need to go make a movie. That's get, what he did I with Coffee that. Chair. And so that was the mindset. So it wasn't him being a dick. It was him being like, if you want to make a movie, just make a movie. And then you'll learn something and you'll make another one. So between season two and season three of The League, I shot a feature with my tax refund. <laughs> and like, I raised 17 grand on Kickstarter. I used my tax refund. I made a movie. We ended up playing, it's, um, what is this, it's the a OJ theater movie? company. It's the OJ. So it's a theater company okay. putting up an Othello-based OJ Simpson musical. So I, now you got to slow down when you say all that, because I was like, <laughs> I need to see this. I mean, I've been on OJ's ass for a long time. I, I'm big on OJ. I, I will send you a link. It used to be on Hulu. For a short period, we were under the You Might Also Like for People vs. OJ Simpson. <laughs> So the um, I was getting like wildly large like checks every uh, day. That's like, awesome. Thousands of people were discovering the movie. So like we were like we did pretty well. So like we premiered at Michael Moore's Film Festival. We were that's like amazing. a must watch. We were like a must watch in the Washington Post. Like we were like we did a lot of stuff. I think we're knock on wood. I'm figuring it out. Like. Uh, licensing wise, I think we're going to be on Amazon Prime. Hope by the time this airs, it'll hopefully be available on Amazon. Oh my Prime. god, that's amazing! A link to it. So, yeah, <laughs> so I made that with. Ah, thank you. So I, you know, I made that with like 
favors and friends. The whole movie was cast with like people I'd worked with who were able to do it. And so that sort of opened doors for me. But at the whole time, you know, I'm simultaneously, my wife is like, you just spent our, all of our checking account on this OJ Simpson movie. Believe in me, so baby. Need, Believe in me. So you need, <laughs> you need to take whatever AD job comes next. I don't care what it is. You have to say yes. So I agreed. Same day I get a phone call ask, tell, asking me to go work on a movie with Lindsay Lohan as Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, Liz and Dick. So, I saw Liz that. Liz and Dick. Hell, hell yeah. So those are the journeys you go on. Um, and so that opened that opened some doors, though. A script I had written with a friend of mine, which is We Broke Up. Um, it's producer Mason Novick. The day, so this is the day my son is born. I'm at the hospital. Uh, my wife is lying there, you know, we're post birth. She's, she's out of it. I'm holding this newborn baby and I get an email that's like, Hey, my name is Mason Novick. I produced 500 days of summer. I think your movie could be the next 500 days. How can I get involved? And I'm like, uh, somebody hold this baby. (laughs) Um, I need two hands to type. (laughs) I was like, I, I'm literally like, do I set this baby back in? I I don't know what this is coming out of this baby's butt, but it doesn't look like poop. You can't move. What is happening right now? And before I can even evaluate or respond, my phone rings, I pick it up. It's like, Hey, this is Mason. Not sure if you saw my email. Jesus hungry. (laughs) Like, Hey man, I just had a baby. My wife just had a baby. He's like, Oh, that's cool. I have two kids. So I'm thinking we shoot in Vancouver. And I'm just like, what is happening? So, you know, all this is going on. There's like, at first I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting a movie made. I'm like telling Morgan and David, like before the first season of The Good Place, like, hey, at any moment, if this movie is like greenlit, I'm gone. So, you know, the whole time I'm doing this, I'm I always, I remember back in my Larry Levinson days, there was a stand-in, I'll never forget this, who gave a script to Tiffany Thiessen and was like (laughs) pitching her about his movie. I I made this like deck. If I'm hired as an AD, that's what I'm there to do. Like I will, when I'm making my own projects, obviously I'll utilize relationships and things like that. But generally speaking, I'm not going to be constantly talking about my own projects. I'm there to work on whatever job I'm for. So I wouldn't talk about this stuff that much. I'm just there ADing. But a lot of times I'm like having phone calls with like potential financiers and doing all this stuff. So well, yeah, because you gotta, for, you gotta, you gotta take care of you. Yes. As much as so, loyalty and everything is huge in this business and everything, you got to take care of you. It's not even like a question. I mean, I'm sure that's like in a lot in every business, but yeah, but yeah. Look how many times you don't sync up with the people anymore and then who who's calling you or people you want to hire like, "Oh, they took another job. Well, they got to eat." Like, you know. Yes, exactly. You got to take care of yourself. So yeah, take yeah, those so phone was, calls. Take those phone calls yeah. during the day. <laughs> so this was all. So I guess so. I was trying to put this movie together. There was all these things. You know, I'd be like, I'd be sneaking away from like Good Place. I would like, you know, tell like Steve or Kenny, like I'm gonna be off campus for two hours, like meeting at Jones on Third with like 
insert famous actor that we're trying to attach to this movie. And like, you know, I get, a, I don't know, I get a call from our set decorator who is like, what is happening? Why did the schedule change? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Sorry, I didn't text you. Listen, but um, those were important calls. <laughs> I need to know. Well, so. So, yeah. So it was. How long was the, let me ask you this though, because it's, you're telling this and it seems like, but you worked at it. Like you, you wrote this, you found the financing. It takes time to cast. It takes time to like, you know, then you're scouting or you're doing whatever and you're putting it together. It's, it, it obviously is a, is a passion at that point because you're in it. You've, you, you're, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're like, this is you, this is a baby. You've had another baby, really. I have three children. I have like yeah. four, I have like five children. Yeah. <laughs> At e- this point. Well, Emmy's my firstborn. I don't know. <laughs> Baller. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was expecting the Emmy to be in our Zoom frame right now. I'm disappointed uh, it's not. Well, I don't record this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but just for like as a power. Oh, move. you wanted me to just, just like so it. work it in every once in a while? <laughs> yeah. I'll go grab my DGA award. Yeah, and stick see? It on the wall. See, we're both winners. Uh, Veep season six, I think that was our that was our year. We all took home gold. We 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 bribed um, someone. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like a. It was probably uh, I'd say about a four year process where there were moments where I was pretty sure the movie was going to happen, and then it didn't. And it was actually starting in the fall of. 2018 so it was when we were shooting the veep episode of calamigos oh yeah Um, so season seven you know what ended up happening was when we shifted the schedule around you know a lot of times the first ad they alternate so like i'll as a first ad i'll be shooting one episode and then while the next episode is shooting i'll be prepping Veep, we wound up in a situation where once we ended up needing to sort of adjust the scripts and do less episodes, suddenly there were hiatuses between each episode. So I'm alternating with Steve. I'm still on the show because, like, we would get schedules. Or yeah, I wouldn't would see you for like three was just four a weeks. Lot of, yeah, yeah, there'd just be this downtime. So you probably didn't notice, but <laughs> when episode two was shooting at Calamigos, I was a little busy. <laughs> everyone else was busy. I was there hanging out, scouting it for my own movie and just wandering the grounds and figuring out how to adjust my script to take place at Calamigos. Good for you. Because Smart. I realized, I realized how perfect of a location it was for the movie. So around that time, there was starting to be some uh, increased energy of potential financiers that seemed real. And so, you know, I started talking with Caleb Duffy, who was on We Broke Up as a co-producer. And so I was at Calamigos. Yeah, so he was a location manager on Veep. So I got to know Fred, who is a um, site rep and runs the property at Calamigos. And so I was going there every day to the point that, like, Morgan Sackett, our producer, a few times was just like, why are you here? And I'm like, oh, I live close. And just in case there's anything for me to look at. But I'm, I legitimately just started wandering the grounds all the time. I brought my co-writer out there with me. 
and we adjusted the script you wrote to shoot to at Cal Smart. Smart. Yes. So that would be a, that's a big thing. If you're shooting something on a budget, it's, you know, there's, there's write what you know and have access to, but yeah, it's really, I think it's hugely important. And I think that's been sort of the value of kind of my AD experience to then transfer to directing is I really do sort of know, I fully know how the sausage is made at this point. Right. So I'm just, I'm hyper aware when I'm writing a scene at the rehearsal dinner of a wedding that it should be post dinner coffee (laughs) and they have the conversation outside on the bridge where you look in through the window. There you go. You covered all bases there. Props, set dressing, lighting. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Location. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a lot of conversations in prep, like, be it with, you know, the line producer, the production designer, the prop master, everyone along the way, where they come with me with these list of questions you would generally have on like a sub-million dollar movie. How are you expecting to do this with such a big cast and at a location like this? And generally speaking, I would just answer every single question on how I could do that. And they're like, okay, we're less scared than we were before. See, like they would good. come with this list of like bulleted questions of how how the hell this was actually possible. But that's because of your experience. That's because yes. because as an AD, a second AD, it, you're moving your way up, whatever, you've worked with each department. So you know like, oh, lighting's going to need this much time be- between setups probably. And or, oh, we have a wardrobe change or makeup's going to need this. Like some that experience for you to bring into your own film is invaluable. Because you're probably writing yeah. it to like, oh, I don't want to do a costume change. I don't want to. Yeah, I feel like it's, pro- I mean, sometimes I. Does that hinder you though? My first day. Yeah, that's what I was sort of going to say. I appreciate my my first AD, Morgan Kelly. Maura Kelly, I was like, with Maura, it was important. I I wanted a first AD I had not worked with before. Mm. Like, that was something I knew I wanted. And, you know, there'd be situations where, like, we would, I would, there'd be a a, a single shot of a character walking um, toward toward a location. And it's hard for me to turn off the part of my brain where I'm like, oh, well, if we just scheduled at the same time as the merry-go-round, the generator's already going to be over there, so then we'll, <laughs> we won't need to worry about moving the generator. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, the, the response a lot of times would be like, okay, seriously, Rosie, that is not your concern, but you are correct, so thank you. Yes, we will do that. Yeah. Sometimes so, too much knowledge doesn't help you. Yeah, it would get in the way. I think I found the... I think, I think that, I found a healthy, uh, healthy balance of the two. I think that was really smart, though, to to hire someone you hadn't worked before with before. Mostly because uh, sometimes being too comfortable with someone, uh, you don't want to ask them to do things, and or you're less professional in a sense. You're more friends, and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Like throughout different, de- there were certain departments that I that I would felt like, oh, okay, I'm comfortable with a friend. Like Alexis Jacks uh, uh, was the costume designer on yeah. it. So 
So there were situations like that where I was like, I don't think that would be, but conversely, you know, like cinematographer was a big one where I was like, this is, I picture this movie, like I picture a single camera, a single camera shoot, a lot of like long takes. It's going to be in like a two, three, five aspect ratio. I want this to feel like an independent film. I don't want this to feel like a television show, which I think is a problem. A lot of times people have worked in TV too long, end up falling into when they direct film. And so for that reason, I didn't, I didn't talk to any, I didn't talk to any TV cinematographers. I knew it was like, I, was that <laughs> you snob <laughs> is that is that a snobbish thing to say no no not at all but, because but you know like... but because you work in tv and you work in film but it's not a snobbish thing to say because there's differences that's the reality of it they look different some some programs look different some some tv is shot like a movie but as you're yes. saying like I, I just didn't, you don't want to fall into that look. I think you're perfectly valid in saying that. Yeah, and then, like, but conversely, like, production designer, that was, that was like, I sort of went through, and I was like, who, wh- what departments do I think wouldn't nec- might not translate well if it's someone who's been working in episodic television too long, specifically the type of episodic TV we work in, yeah. because a lot of times it's like three or four cameras at the same time and you're just sort of like hosing down a set. Production design, for example, that was not a position that I inherently was like, I don't think that would translate well. Like I was like, to me, that will translate completely fine. Right. It'll be a different conversation because it's not going to be as much dress the room always. You know, there's a protection with television where you have to have everything for 360 because you truly have no idea. Yeah. On a show like Veep, you have to assume literally everything will get seen. Yes. Whereas in my situation. It's the shot. You've set up the shot. It's not the whole room, (laughs) like you're saying. So, yes. The the opening shot of OJ is a VCR TV combo that's sitting on a table that we put contact paper behind. And it was probably the size of like four feet by eight foot. And, you know, we just had yeah. to build that singular frame. That's all we were focused on. So on Calamigos, like I could, I am able to say like, we are only going to see this. Yeah. This is our shot list. This is the scene. Dress this frame and you are safe. Yeah. And for the most part, that that never bit us. There were a few times where maybe it was slightly wider than we expected, but pretty rarely. So we were really able to dress everything and design everything very specific. But that's, that's also a point where a set decorator and an AD really need to communicate with each other too. Because... You know, you're in charge of, like, extras, and we're going to have people over there. Like, is that dressed? Like, well, we didn't talk about... We we're not supposed to see down this hallway. Like, why? So it is constant yeah, communication yeah. between our departments, not only scheduling and are you moving? Oh, we're jumping ahead. Oh, we've pulled the shot up. Oh, this and that. But there is, like technical stuff of like, hey, we're putting extras over here or they're going to come around this corner now. Like a lot of times you're the one giving me the heads up. Not any, you know, that's it. Yeah. It's you. It's you. Yeah, no, it's, (laughs) yeah. 
I was thinking about that too, because it's like, I feel like the AD department, I've noticed because at this point now I've hold every, held all AD positions. So it's like, I feel like the first AD is very linked to the production designer and then the art director more so than the set decorator. Whereas like the production designer, you're on, you're on early pre-scouts. A yeah. lot of time the director's not even on it yet. Right. And so I didn't fully realize when I was second and second seconding how much when I started firsting I was going to be just lockstep with the production designer. Right. Like a lot of times I would get, you know, I would get the overheads of what the scene was going to be and stuff like that. And as a key second, those didn't matter as much to me. But then suddenly as like the first AD, those became hugely important. Like suddenly I'm actually, you know, looking over all of the diagrams and plans much more. Right. Whereas as a second AD, you know, the set decorator is usually the person I'm dealing the most specifically with because we're the two people who are dealing with the next day's shoot most specifically. Right. So it's a situation where, you know, if we're planning to be in a hotel room that Selena's, Selena's staying in a hotel room, I already know that like Matt Haynes and his construction team have built it. I know that most of the stuff's there, but I have, I've told everyone as the second AD, we're going to be there at the end of the day. Suddenly actor availability changes or something. It's four in the afternoon and someone, and I get told, Hey, that now needs to be first up. Yeah. So that falls on the second AD to go to my text chain with set deck, art director, production designer, construction coordinator, and be like, Hey guys. Hey team. Oh, you're so sweet when you do it too. Hey guys. So this is going to be cool. Hey, that sets first up tomorrow. Cool. Right. (laughs) I, I feel like there's the, there's the approach of like, this is first up. I usually try to be like, Hey, is this possible? Thanks. I love you. But I learned a long time ago when Morgan and David would come to me and say like, Hey, so can that be first up? They're not asking me. They're telling me. (laughs) And I say that all the time. I go, well, you're not asking me. You're telling me it's first up. (laughs) Obviously, it has to be done now. Now it's got to be done. Now just tell us. And I go, no, fine. Then no, no, it can't be first up. All right, well, it's first up. See, I told you, like, you're fucking with me. So, yeah, it's not, there's never a, there's very rarely rarely is there a that absolutely cannot be shot tomorrow do you know what i mean like either that train that train is coming (laughs) you're not maybe i i didn't get a couple things in that i wanted in because it has to be this and you sacrifice stuff but yeah it is the the ad and and i and i uh and scheduling you're putting out the one-liners you're doing on a show like veep multiple versions constantly constantly changing things and it's so important paying attention to them of like oh a new wait and and i always feel that you were very good and are very good at giving a heads up hey day two change just a heads up like (laughs) and that's invaluable like because you can't have your eyes on everything at all time and you know maybe patrick catches this or i catch that and then you know that's what your team does but having someone giving you a heads up is like, Oh, thank God. Thank God. He told us right yeah. away. I was at the store. I could buy it. Yeah. Like that was perfect. 
that was always like as as I've done it more and like as cell phones have become so useful in group change and texts like before I even go to Excel or start doing anything else like if I hear word of a change it's just like immediately text every department that this will affect yeah and then I'll go into Excel and I'll figure out the call sheet and do all that but like you have to understand again like buyers are at the store rental yeah. houses close at a certain time yeah. especially like if you have if you have a delayed Wardrobe. call in evenings yeah costumes yeah. has to fit these things and like I always the person who I continually and she always handled it like a champ and I will love her to death Gabe Pirello yeah. god love her Gabe yeah. so many like especially on my good place she would have you know oh. like glow in the dark handcuffs and yeah. things like that that are ready just at 7 a.m yeah so specific and, and two and, and two options two three options yes like amazing she's amazing I, the, the thing she would show up with when i know for a fact because <laughs> i was the one who made the oh shit phone call to her when she would actually be there at seven in the morning with an amazing prop i, I would know. just be like dumbfounded like I, I don't know how this happened you can't take it away from but, her she is amazing and so yeah. creative and so able to roll with it i have little episodes in the car or whatever <laughs> or like I'll, I'll sometimes i'll clear my desk <laughs> like I don't want to well, do that. But, but every, everyone has those episodes. Everyone has those episodes, and everyone either hides those well or, yeah. you know, has moments where, you know, they have a frustration moment. And that's a totally understood reality. I mean, some shows are, some shows throw curveballs more than you expect. But like, conversely, you know, Veep, Veep is a situation where. Part of its charm and why it works as a show is that it's kind of messy around the edges. It's yeah. handheld camera. That's part of its charm, but that infuses itself in every element of production. Yeah. Good place, conversely, is this yeah. organized, perfect afterlife. <laughs> yes. So that infuses itself in how production runs. That said, there are moments on Veep where you're suddenly like, that week went really smooth. That whole episode went really smoothly. <laughs> That was totally fine. I was did like 10 or 11 hour days. And there's moments on Good Place where you're suddenly like, oh my God, yeah. where is the ice sculpture? Right. We have 46 animals landing, but you know, the trailers aren't allowed to go where they're supposed to go normally. Like, I think because you're not, because you were expected, we expected to have 43 sets, uh, you know, in a week on Veep. Yeah. You know, to have 12 on good place you're like oh what are you nuts like (laughs) (laughs) and and you adjust i mean and i said that i said that to them when i came on season two season two was easy let's just for me it wasn't bad it was fine season three they were on earth so we were never in the bad we weren't on any of our state we weren't in any of that we were on location constant i was like well this is bullshit yeah, 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 you got me on the show telling me it's like a break kind of from Veep. We're out every day. Like, this is a lot of work. Se- I don't want to work. Four of good- <laughs> season four of Good Place, we 100% Ugh. had more food stylist oh, dinner scenes than Veep had ever had. Poor every gay. single episode. 
No, no. It was always a party. It was always food. It was, uh, oh my God, yes. Yes. And yeah, it was so, you know, you go into these shows, you you have an expectation of what it is, and it it constantly adjusts everything, you know? And so all you can sort of do is you, I mean, the best thing you can have happen, which is I think something both of us have been able to enjoy over the last five years is, and I think for you longer, because I missed the parts and rec aspect of it, is you find people you like working with and you have good, and then you just sort of try to keep working with them. And sometimes you're, sometimes, you know, we, we lucked out that we wound up on two highly acclaimed shows where we're just totally, totally, we're just, you know, you won an Emmy. I won a DJ award. It's awesome. It's it's fun, but it's like, we could be working on insert awful show. We could still be on Hallmark. (laughs) I know we could still be on Hallmark, but if it was the same crew and the same budgets and stuff, I'd still enjoy it. I think that's, you know, no, I've had, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You're a go-getter. I'm Rosie. You're, (laughs) my name is, I'm Rosie. It'll be fine. I'll tell you what. Was it season two? I don't think you were on Good Place. I was on season two. I oh, joined. You were on season one. I was on season one. Yes. So I wasn't on season one. Let's not talk about it. Um, but then <laughs> when we went to Veep, you were supposed to come on to Veep, but you had you were doing something else. You were coming in late or something like that. Wasn't it? I think that was it. Yeah, I came on. Um, I did part of season five. Right. So, so I did not do all of season five. I kept I hearing, it's so funny because it was kind of the same with you and Kenny, uh, who is yeah. at 80. Hey, hey, you, you know Rosie's coming on. And I'd be like, who the fuck's Rosie? Like, Why y'all stiff about this Rosie guy? I've been with you for five years. Like, are you telling him, hey, you got this one up here? Like, oh, Rosie's coming. Oh, you're going to love him. You're going to love him. Super great guy. Oh my God. So great. Yeah. He's so funny. He's good. Great. And I'd be like, are you, are you building me up like that to him? Like, <laughs> and of course they're like, no, we're not, we don't build you up yeah. to anyone. <laughs> but you, um, you're, I think, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I wouldn't still be happy on Hallmark. There's no way you'd still be happy on Hallmark. No, I don't care if you, who the fuck you're working with on there. I think I would still be happy. I think I'd be okay. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I still can't get over the fact that we get served free breakfast and lunch. I think it's awesome. I do like, too. I'm like, like, but, I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting paid. You're saying because like, we didn't get that on homework? But we didn't. No, we did, and it we did? we did, and it was awesome. Like the caterer would give me, he would like make these Korean barbecue ribs every few weeks because you know I liked them, and I was like, this is the best. I'm eating breakfast burritos every morning. I I gotta check out I, something because I think I was no, I was at Hallmark five six years before you. I didn't have catering. I was there. I, there was like a box of donuts. There was no. I was there 2006 through 2009. Yeah, I was like 2002 to five or five to eight. Or I don't know. I was there earlier than you. But I let me I look myself know. up. <laughs> I'm like. I don't know. I was there earlier I, than you. I don't remember catering. I really don't. Yeah, we had we had Hollywood caterers. Yeah, we had a caterer. Antonio was our caterer. Good guy. 
And I can't believe you remember their names. Uh, I I remember that. I I, I, I made a lot of really good, I made a lot of good friends there. Like I've had a few specific jobs that maybe I've disliked because I didn't get along with like the first AD or situations like that. But they're few and far between. Like I, I don't know. Like (laughs) I, I, I'm kind of just, I'm kind of good with it. I think it's pretty cool. I, I don't take for granted the fact that like, I don't know. I, since I was eight years old, I wanted to be a filmmaker and I'm doing that for a living. And it's awesome. And it's awesome. I have, I have two, I have two beautiful, healthy kids. You could be working at Ralph's. I'm I'm married. I'm happy. Yeah. I could have got that job at Ralph's. Like, been I'm like, I'm going to see I where work. this takes me and I'll make a film when I can. Like, yeah. like I work, I work on good place in the V and V, you know, like, like when we were, um, when I was on the film festival circuit with OJ, like, you know, there's, there are all these like filmmaker tent areas and they're always sponsored by like Tito's vodka. At least they were that year. So like you go to like the Tito's vodka tent and like the local brewery has a bunch of little tasty food that you turn into your dinner. Like you just eat bruschetta for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I'd be at the table and for whatever reason, because my movie's a mockumentary, I kept winding up on panels with documentary filmmakers, <laughs> which are mostly like social justice movies. So like I was on a panel with like the producer of Bowling for Columbine, um, the director of like God Loves Uganda, Nelson Mandela's grandson. Like I'm doing like I and I'm like, hi, I made an OJ Simpson musical mockumentary. Hello. Um but we would talk about like what we're going to do when we get home. So talking to these people who are like on Oscar short lists for documentaries and they're like, well, I'm probably going to drive Uber while I'm working on my grant or like I might do some temp work at offices. Like this is what they're doing to like survive. And I'm like, I'm going to go key second this movie for Paramount. Like, (laughs) so I mean, I sort of felt, but that you worked for that. You can't feel bad for that. You worked oh, for that position. You got hired. No, People call you. You can't feel bad. Yeah, no, and I, it's this isn't me saying I feel bad. It's more saying that I would feel bad if I was complaining about it. Like I've always, I've always truly felt like, man, I'll throw a hashtag. Hashtag blessed. I'll just say it because I've felt, I've just felt pretty lucky. I feel like this whole course I've been on, like, I just, I just got a chance to direct this movie with an amazing cast that I'm super proud of. And I'll keep ADing as long as I need to, as I keep trying to direct stuff of my own. And when I'm directing stuff of my own, hopefully sooner than later and being able to like do that as my job, I'll be, I'll be super happy about doing that. And yeah, but good things come to just, good people. You're a good person. That's I cool. like to think so. Yeah, you're a good person. So, yeah. Sometimes I, I wish you'd like open up a little and like tell me stories because <laughs> you're in the band. Like, uh, come on. Uh, but you don't. You're like a good person. <laughs> I mean, I try. I, I just try. To, like, I really do. Honestly, like it's. I don't know. I, I enjoy doing what I do. I think it's, um, I think it's really, it's a lot of fun to come to work every day and just problem solve how to, how to make these TV. I could never be an AD. I could never do it. I, 
so I was a theater major. I was a playwriting major. And I had, I, so I didn't major in film or anything. I had made like student films and stuff, but I knew even then I was like, if I was going to just like be a film crew member, like I think sounds like a position I could probably do. And it just sort of made sense. Like I kind of, it feels almost like Neo in the Matrix to me. Like wait, it feels like out, sort wait, of like, I can just one, sort of. It cut out for one second. What position? Like assistant director always oh. sort of made sense to me. Oh, and then like yeah. when, I, when I'm when i on set, sometimes it does sort of feel kind of like the Matrix where Neo's like able to see the mechanism. Right. And like, and I can just like see like. We all have those. When I was a sec. When I was a sec. <laughs> yeah, when I was a second second, I could just see where the background needed to cross to fill the frame. And like, when I walk to a set, well, like a lot of times as the second AD, I'll walk the set ahead of time, like in the same way that, you know, you'll open a set, I'll go there a lot of times, either the night before, or just sort of to make sure and I'll walk there and I'll see where like Reed or Rigging Grip had staged something. And I'll be like, I think that might be in the way. Yeah. And so I'll check in with Reed and say like, Hey, I think, I think where that's set up might be the wrong spot. I'll confirm with the first AD or whoever, and then I'll relay to everybody. If that affects you, I'll send you and Patrick a text just to be like, Hey, we need some drapery. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times it's just, it just always sort of made sense to me. Do you have uh, something else uh, in the future for like writing? Do you have ideas for that? Do you do you think you'll you like directing? Obviously, do you think you'll yeah. continue to try to you know make that number one position? Yeah, I think the number one priority. Um, I have what I would like to be my next movie. Um, That's ready. Cool. That's awesome. So uh, yeah, it's already written. I um I. I think I can openly talk about it. So UTA is our sales agents on our movie. So the movie I couldn't be proud of. We're super excited about it. The financiers and everybody, it's completely done. So we, we were able to, we finished shooting on February 25th. Um, I got the director's cut the first week in April from the editor. We had about two weeks together before the stay at home order came in. So so thankfully, uh, her name's Stephanie. So Stephanie's husband, thankfully, is a software engineer. So he was able to set up like a Zoom account and we would talk on Skype. So we edited the whole movie remotely. Wow. We did like scoring, ADR, color, everything was pretty much remote. I was able to go in by myself and do ADR and review color and sound mix. But so as of a couple of weeks ago, the movie's done. We're trying to sort of figure out what we'll do with it because we don't really know what festivals will be. But now I'm personally, so now I have agents myself from all of this. So That's now awesome. I'm like, it's, it's pretty wild. I'm getting sent like scripts to look at to potentially direct. I'm, they're looking at stuff I've written to potentially uh, try to get financing for that. That's fantastic. So, so hopefully the day like sitting in an AD trailer writing like business proposals and stuff. Hopefully those days are done. Instead of but, going but, um, to craft service in the morning or going to, to catering in the morning, someone brings it to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that sort of happens as a second AD. I have a running thing where like our base camp AD or PA 
I always, I always use Siri to send them the most insane, bizarre <laughs> message I can because Siri does not understand a word I say. So I usually start with a food order and then end up like singing like a Disney show tune or something. And then I just show up and there's breakfast of some sort. There you go. But But yeah, it's, uh, um, the hope is certainly to start directing. I think, um, I think transitioning to episodic television is becoming more common for first ADs anyway, these days. Yeah. So to a degree than it used to be just because there's so many more shows. Yeah. Conversely, you know, a lot of independent filmmakers, they want to transition to television, but, you know, if you watch an independent film, you're like, okay, does that person actually understand what an episodic TV director does? Because it's extremely different so than different. what a film director does. Yeah. Um, conversely, I think for a lot of ADs that have aspirations of directing themselves, it would be a question of, do you actually know how to direct and talk to actors? So I think I'm a bit of a unicorn in that I check both boxes. Yeah, definitely. And so that will hopefully, um, hopefully in the next few years, I'll be able to transition to that. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm still just, I mean, I'm currently ADing on a show right now. It's, I, I still enjoy that part of it. So I still feel like on every job I'm on, at the very least, I'm meeting new people yeah, and getting a chance the, to expand my network. Always great. And and so, like, yeah, like if I go through my call sheet, if I go through the call sheet from my movie, there's somebody on that call sheet from just about every show or era of my professional life. That's good. And, because, but that also means people want to work with you. Yes, which I do appreciate yeah. as well, which that has been a... That's been been a nice a nice thing about it, and I, I find myself often being apologetic because <laughs> it's like you know my movie was not as big of a budget as some of the shows I know these people from, but then you know they show up they show up on our set like and they're just like honestly I'm sh- we have catering and there's yeah. like a base camp like what the hell is going on it's like, a real production like it's a real we thing. expected. We expected a carafe of coffee and a basket of bananas. <laughs> Listen, I was and... on I was on a IFC thing once with Toby Maguire, Will Farrell and everything, and the crafty was like a Tupperware of M and M's, like yeah. a couple bottles of water and a pe- and peanut butter and jelly. And Patrick and I looked at each other like, "Whoa, I gotta get out of here." Um, before you have to run off because you're working <laughs> um, uh are, are you have you seen anything lately are you watching anything that's inspiring you man uh i was watching a lot of bubble guppies which is a frustrating show the physics just bug drive me crazy uh daniel tiger's neighborhood <laughs> i've been watching um wild krats there's a lot of wild krats um I've honestly, it's, it's interesting. My, my wife is a, um, is a zoo, a reptile zookeeper. I haven't mentioned that yet, but she's not a film and television person. She's seen like everything now. <laughs> Cause like, so she's like, she watched Westworld without me. She watched glow without me. She's Can't watching wait. brave new world currently. Nice. I've seen like nothing. Um, 
I, I love what we do in the shadows. I actually do watch that show. I haven't caught that yet, and now I'm going to have to. It's fantastic. To. Yeah. It's it's super fun. It's a quick, easy watch. Oh, good. But it's it's tough. I'm not um, – and currently I'm, I'm watching more um, – trying to think of what else I've watched that I've enjoyed – I watched a nice. ton of documentaries lately about art, about filmmaking, which was great. Uh, I think it's called like Making Waves about sound. That was fantastic. Or that... I do a lot of audio. I do a lot of audio books about oh. filmmaking. That's like that's you my had some really good. Did you read the the Chinatown book, The Long Goodbye or uh, whatever? Oh, I did not. Oh, so good. I should. I mean, I did Raging Bull, uh, Easy Rider, Raging Bulls, which is sort of that era. Oh, yeah. That's on my I did, that's on my I did Robert Evans' book. I did Billy Friedkin's book. Oh, so I love that. Yeah. The Robert Evans stuff book. Stuff around there. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Uh, I also signed up for, like, the master classes. I'm halfway through Scorsese's, <laughs> which is good. He's good. He's, realis- ro- he's realistic. Ron- I have a running thing because that Ron Howard sponsored ad about confrontational angles. Do you get that one? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't watch it yet. I didn't watch him yet. Oh man, there is a sponsored ad on Instagram. I'm we're on the set of We Broke Up, and our DP is like, "I think that would actually be a really good confrontational angle." And I like, <laughs> I made him stop, and I was like, "Did you watch? Did you did you get that from the Ron Howard masterclass?" And he goes, "Oh my god, I did." And I was like, and then we started realizing that like the rest of the crew had all gotten this same sponsored ad from Ron Howard about confrontational angles. Now that I keep saying confrontational angles, I'm just making it so you'll get it now in your Instagram since your phone is hearing it probably. It's true. Every time I get, every time I get the sponsored ad, like in my Instagram, like DMs, Mm -hmm. it's like six members of the crew because I immediately (laughs) send it to them. And Instagram's pretty good at like share to a person. Yeah. So I just hit I hit share and it's always the first six people. It's the same people. It's my it's my script supervisor, my co-writer, the DP, the editor. I just like I just blast them with the Ron Howard Masterclass ad. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do his eventually. Uh, I laughed a lot on this one. <laughs> Isn't he so positive? I mean, it's kind of annoying, but it's so genuine. He's such a nice guy. Um, I should say we we recorded this in late July. It's now October. And I was starved for any sort of walk, work uh, talk and talking about schedules. And just it was so great to like catch up with him in that respect, too. Um, I hope this was interesting to anyone who's going through the process of making their own films and trying to get it going and just hearing that, you know, it doesn't happen overnight and it's a lot of work and I'm so glad that um, he was able to discuss his position as an AD also because his interaction with other departments and keeping everyone on the same page, it's so essential. Like I said, I would never want that job. The scheduling of actors and locations, it's insane. And the multiple versions of schedules you have to do, I mean, my head would explode. Um, But he's a great guy. I can't wait to see We Broke Up. And um, I think I just checked. It didn't have a release date yet, but I'll keep you posted on that. And um, 
I don't care what he says. I don't believe him, but he'd still be happy on the Hallmark show. There's no way. He loved working on Veep too much <laughs> to say that. Next week's episode, I have production designer and creator of Art Departmental, Rose Legace, and she's extraordinary. I don't know how she has time to design and keep up this website that has just become a staple in our industry. I mean, I've been looking at it for years. So I hope uh, I hope you enjoy that one. She's, she's super nice. And we hear a little bit about Canada and how they're working and, and COVID and, and all that. So that's next week. And then in November, I have a little get to know your art department tutorial that I'll be putting out. Um, really just trying to let anyone know if you're interested in a specific position, where you actually fall in line in an art department and if that position exists. I mean, there's so many things to do in an art department. You could, you could draw the sets, you could be a model maker, you could illustrate, you could, well, you could decorate. <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping that that episode helps anyone who's thinking about art department work and uh, any questions uh, that might come up, uh, hopefully that episode will inform you. Thank you so much to everyone listening and keep listening and downloading and reviewing. You have been an amazing audience. Thank you so much. If you haven't reviewed this podcast clickety click 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 just that one two three four five stars and then if you want if you have a little time you write a little review you just say how much you like it you could tell me how much you don't like it with that you could probably put that in a personal email to me you don't have to tell everybody that you could just tell me that's fine i am hey kim one of the decorating pages podcast.com go ahead tell me about it and anyone who has questions, obviously, um, always available. DM me on social media. Anything um, I can help out with, let me know. I hope you got an earful. I'm Kim Wanup with Decorating Pages. Get floating into fall on your Stogie Floaty Luxury Pool Float. Available now on Amazon, Etsy, and StogieFloaty.com. <laughs>